Hello, my name is Michael D'Angelo. Welcome to Let This Mind Be In You, or if you're a return listener, welcome back. This is a ministry founded on proclaiming the gospel to the lost and exhorting Christians to remember that we have the mind of Christ, so let this mind be in you. Please make sure to like, share, and subscribe with all of your friends and family. And if you'd like to reach me, you can reach me at ltmbiy at yahoo.com. That's ltmbiy at yahoo.com. I also have a Facebook page. And you can find that at Let This Mind Be In You Ministries. Just search for that. Also, you can find us on YouTube at Let This Mind Be In You. Hello and welcome back to Let This Mind Be In You. On tonight's podcast, we're going to be starting the study in the book of 1 John. And we'll be talking specifically about how John talks about that your joy may be full. So we'll be speaking about joy. A lot of people try to steal your joy by telling you some things that are incorrect doctrinally. And we're going to clear that up with the Word of God tonight. So join me again for this uh, podcast that's already been recorded. Thank you again for listening. And hello and welcome back to Let This Mind Be In You. I'm Brother Michael D'Angelo here on another Thursday. Uh, so it's early. Well, I guess it's a lot earlier for you guys than it is for me if you're back in the States. Uh, right now it's currently just a little bit after 6 o'clock in the afternoon for me. But um, uh, So I'm here again on another Thursday putting out another video. We're starting up the, the book of First John uh, tonight. And so that's going to be a, a excellent study to go through as we study through the book of first John, uh, potentially doing second John and then third John, um, uh, later on, obviously, but tonight we're just going to go through the, uh, short first chapter of, uh, first John. And I want to thank brother Jonas who, um, had a question about that. And it just got my mind thinking that I haven't gone through, um, anything uh, from John yet. And, um, you know, as far as going through reading through a book, we've gone through um, some epistles from Paul. And what I believe is, you know, the book of Hebrews was penned by somebody else. Uh, but that's another subject for a different day. But um, uh, this is First um, John, as we're going to, as I mentioned, and specifically, he mentioned that there was a um, he has some difficulties as far as, and I think a lot of us do, uh, with understanding the language of, of, of John here when he's talking about this thing. But, you know, Scripture was Scripture. Uh, a lot of times people get confused thinking that it's speaking of sinless perfection or something like that. And if we have sin in us, all of a sudden we're not saved anymore um, and so forth and so on. So we're going to go through this very carefully, the first couple of verses. And uh, there's only 10 verses in, in chapter one. So we'll go through that. As always, uh, make sure you like, share, subscribe, do all that kind of stuff on whatever platform you're listening on or watching. If you're uh, watching on Facebook or uh, here on YouTube, uh, which is is my, I guess you would call it my main channel. Um, but um, also I have podcast platforms. You can check those out. Those are audio only. And that's going to be a podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S.com. Um, also, you can find me on Podbean, B-E-A-N. Um, I'm on iHeartRadio. I'm on, uh, well, I'm on all sorts of ones. Any, any of the major platforms, um, and if you find one that you like, a certain podcasting platform that you like and I'm not on there, you just let me know in the comments below, okay? But uh, look for Let This Mind Be In You Ministries podcast. Let This Mind Be In You Ministries podcast, and you can find it there. Um, obviously, if you're watching this on, on YouTube or Facebook, it's under Let This Mind Be In You on YouTube and Let This Mind Be In You Ministries on Facebook. Um Let's see what else. Oh, I need to. I haven't given out my email address, but I, I freely give that out for you to ask questions if you'd like or if you'd like to respond and correspond with me. And that's at ltmbiy at yahoo.com. Ltmbiy at yahoo.com. Things are going well here in Rhoda. Um, as I mentioned in the last video I did uh, that was posted here on uh, any of the platforms you may be listening or watching on, um, you know, we got extended for a couple months. And that's never fun, but uh, God's in control, and there's a and there's a reason behind that. I, I truly believe that uh, God doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't um, he doesn't have uh, some sort of like things that that creep up on him. He understands all and knows all, and uh, so I'm taking it as it's for my better. And um, 
He's he's got my good in in mind, and uh, it makes it a little rough in the flesh, you know, because I obviously miss my 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 beautiful wife and my babies. Um, and it's just going to be a few more months until I get to see them again face to face, as far as in the flesh. Um, but I get to see them every single day uh, through the wonders. And thank God, I really do. I mean, technology can be bad, but it also provides a little bit more than what I'm used to even 20 years ago where I was writing letters to my wife. Um, so it's uh, things have changed, definitely for sure. And uh, so I thank God for that. But as I mentioned uh, last time in that video, and by the way, on that video, uh, it's speaking about the three keys given to Peter, uh, I did with my dad. Uh, so been positive responses, a lot of good responses so far. A lot of people saying, wow, you know, that's, you know, very good. I did have, um, I did have a brother say something about, uh, maybe doing a short little video that kind of encapsulates or just, uh, um, what's the word I'm even looking for here? Uh, just wraps it up. I mean, just kind of, uh, nice and concise. I, I, my, my brain is skipping out on me. I can't think of the word. It'll come to me later on and I'll be, um, I, when I record these, I don't stop them and then go back and try to edit things out. Um, unless, you know, something crashes in here or something like that. Obviously I will, but I try to do it just like I'm doing it live. Um, it, it it's something I'm, I'm used to doing. Obviously every Thursday night is going live. So, um, it's just something I'm continuing to do. So I do this all in one take. Let's put it that way. All mistakes and all, because we are, uh, you know, still in the flesh and we still make mistakes and that's going to go right into what we talk about tonight as well in first John. But anyways, what was I saying? Oh, I'm just going to make a, uh, another video potentially here pretty soon. Excuse me. That's going to, um, kind of really just kind of take the points that were being made and just make sure I hit those very quickly. And um, that was a suggestion made by another one of you, the listeners and viewers and brothers and sisters in Christ out there. So I'm always looking forward to that. Okay. So that's enough on the way of introduction and uh, making announcements and saying different things. So let's get into the word of God, shall we? All right. First John, first John chapter one, in your King James Bible, if you'd open it up, please, and let's look how this starts out, because it starts out exactly, you know, not verb, verbatim, word for word, as John 1 starts out, but the same writer, the Apostle John, the one that was known as the Beloved, um, and the one that also got to see, before he died, he got to see the things that Jesus talked about. Um, there's a there's an interesting Bible verse that just kind of popped in my head where the Bible talks about Jesus says, um, you know, this generation won't pass until they see these things come to pass. And I'm paraphrasing that, excuse me. Um, but the the point is, is that he, he said that and everybody's like, well, all the apostles died. They didn't see the second coming of Jesus Christ where he comes back to this earth and sets up his millennial reign and this, that and the other thing. But actually one does. It says in uh, Revelation, I, John, saw. And uh, he gets to see with his own two eyes. So the Bible's not doesn't have contradictions in it. So here it is. But anyways, known as the Beloved and um, the Beloved Apostle and a bunch of different names for him. But uh, this is the Apostle John, one of the original disciples of Jesus Christ. Um, and that um, I, you know, I believe the Bible even, yes, it does specifically calls out or may not, but it's inferred that it was at the foot of the cross with uh, Jesus uh, earthly mother, Mary, and, um, and at the foot of the cross. And it was the one that Jesus turned to and, and said, uh, woman, behold your son and son, behold your, your mother. And again, I'm paraphrasing. I wasn't even prepared. This is off the cuff uh, for this part, but, um, and it's believed that, you know, John brought Mary into his house and, you know, she lived with him until whenever it is that she died. I don't know how like doctrinal that needs to be. And if somebody wants to leave a comment saying they disagree, that's fine. I, I, but that's just some general background behind the, um, the man known as John. This isn't John the Baptist. Um, that's also sometimes somebody's new to Christ. Uh, they're newly saved and they're, they're just now studying through the word of God. And they see this John here and they think it's John the Baptist. But of course, John the Baptist had his head removed by Herod the king 
um, at the behest of his stepdaughter uh, when she danced provocatively in front of him. Um, that was John the Baptist, the one that says, Are thou the Messiah or do we seek another? That was John the Baptist. This is John the Apostle. Okay, so, I mean, a lot of people that are maybe watch this have said, well, we knew that already, but some people just really are young in the Lord. And uh, so it's always good to really just kind of really give the basics and um, go through that. So this is John, and he starts out here, that which was from the beginning. Okay. So right away, we're like, okay, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard. Okay, let's see. All right, so we've heard him. So the same that was from the beginning, the you know eternity past, the creator of the universe, everything that we know, the creator of matter, time, space, the whole nine yards, everything spoke the worlds into existence, that which was from the beginning. All right, so which we have heard. Okay. Now, that makes sense. You know, God spoke to the uh, the uh, the prophets. Um, he spoke to Moses. Okay, okay, I got that from the burning bush. God the Father spoke to them in the times past. We heard them. Okay, we've heard it, but it keeps going. And it says, which we have seen with our eyes. Now, it didn't say remember. It doesn't say John saying here. Remember, he wrote this before uh, he was uh, imprisoned on the... Isle of Patmos, um, he wrote this before that. But he doesn't say which I have seen. He says which we have seen with our eyes. Now, that's interesting because the Bible says no man at any time has seen the Father. So who is he talking about here? He's talking about Jesus Christ. What do you mean Jesus Christ was from the beginning? Yes, Jesus Christ said, I am he, speaking of God the Father. He spoke of those different things. Now, don't get me wrong. Uh, sometimes that said, they, you know, a lot of people will like say, whoa, 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 wait. You know, are you trying to say there's no distinction? Absolutely not. I'm not saying that. There is distinction between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it gets to that in 1 John 5, 7. But he's the same being, God. He is God. These three are one. And Jesus said, in, or in Colossians, it talks about how Jesus was all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Jesus didn't have some sort of created spirit within him, like we are made body, soul, and spirit. He didn't have a created spirit in him. He didn't have a created soul in him. And somehow or another, you know, he was this created being. No, he was fully God. He had a spirit. He had a soul that was perfect. He was the perfect sacrifice. He knew no sin. There was no sin whatsoever in him. He had an eternal spirit and an eternal soul within him. He was all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Now, I, as I've mentioned on this program before, do I grasp that? Absolutely not. I, I take that by faith. I don't understand how something that is one being can be three distinct things. Members. I, I like to say members because that's out of 1 Corinthians 12. It's just a, a, a word that I like to use. Um, three members in one. And um, I just don't understand that. How is that possible? Three distinct, they have uh, distinct roles and, and, and characteristics and so forth and so on. I just don't understand that. But the Bible is not, like we said from the beginning, at the beginning, the Bible doesn't have mistakes. It doesn't have any kind of contradictions. When the Bible says here, which we have seen with our eyes, it look it goes even further, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word, capital W, of life. Now, when we see that, we can't help but go, wow, the same one that created us in his image, body, soul, and spirit, humbled himself and took on the form of a servant, as it says in Philippians 2. Why? so that he could reconcile us to himself. Now, that, again, things that are taken by faith are hard to be understood here. There's things that you just can't fully understand in our, in our puny minds. You'll go crazy trying to figure that out. But the Bible says it. That settles it, period. So, we know it's not a contradiction. We know who God 
or Jesus said he was, he said he was God. And he still is God. He didn't cease to be God. He didn't never give up that title. He is God. And the same God, which it says here, that which was from the beginning. So it's the same one. Well, you mean the, the word took on flesh and dwelt among us? That's what the Bible says. And here it is right here. John is in, emphatically saying it again so that no, so there can be no confusion. What do you mean they've seen God, that which was from the beginning? What do you mean you've seen God? John would simply re reply, you know, yeah, I've seen him. I've handled him. Well, no, that can't be the case, you know, because God the Father spoke to Jesus uh, when he was baptized and they saw the Spirit descending like a dove. Yes, God's omnipresent. He can be in several places at once. All at the same time, by being still distinct and still in the same place. Well, I don't understand that. Join the club. I don't understand it either. However, I believe it. If Jesus wasn't fully God... If he wasn't fully God, all three, if he wasn't, we're in a lot of trouble. And that's also makes for all sorts of messes and contradictions in the Bible. Because Jesus says that he rose himself, he raised himself from the dead, says in other places that God, the Father, raised him from the dead, and also says the Spirit raised him from the dead. So which one is it? The answer, I always like to say, it's kind of, it's not humorous, but it just kind of makes me just say, mm, well, <laughs> he's God. When it says that, I just say, yep. Somebody says, well, wait a minute. So which of the three? Yep, they did. It's hard to understand. But we don't, we're not a, uh, we don't serve three gods or anything like that. So that's just in a way really quick of talking about that. I've mentioned it before. I've talked through it before in John chapter 14 and John 15, it I think that it kind of explains exactly what Jesus is explaining that exactly to his disciples. Um, when he tells, uh, who is it that ask him that, you know, show us the father, Philip. And he says, how long have I been with you? And still thou hast not known me, Philip, you know, and again, again, I, I'm not quoting there. I'm not going to turn there for time's sake, but that's all in just verse one. And it doesn't stop because it's not a period. It keeps going. For the life was manifested. Now that word should jump out to you because manifested is all throughout the Bible. Made manifest. And what I've talked about this before. What manifest means is that it's able to be seen with our eyes. It's something that you would consider to be hidden, but now is made manifest. You don't see my hand, but now it is made manifest. Okay, it's shown clearly, and that's the um, in the Webster's 1828. You can look that up, and that's what it talks about. You can clearly see it, and we have seen it. So John goes on further to say it one more time, and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life. Now, one of the most, uh, I guess you would say, well-known passages in the Bible, and we'll turn there real quick, was also quoted by John, or was written by John through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in John 3.16. Now, every single sporting event, which, or at least they used to when I was growing up, you would always see somebody uh, holding up a sign that says John 3.16. So let's read it real quick. And it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So once again, the eternal life and everlasting life can both be had through Jesus Christ. And you say, well, Brother Mike, I'm not quite understanding what you're talking about there. There's a difference. And let me, let me tell you what the difference is. When somebody says to you, we're going to have in John 3, 16, but have everlasting life, that means that had a beginning and it doesn't have an end after that. It's everlasting. It denotes, uh, or it just basically talks about, that connotation of that word talks about there's a beginning, like I was born in December 5th in 1981, and because of what he did for me, and because of him, I have everlasting life. I will never die. This flesh may die. It, it very well may, if we're not caught up out of here. However, I don't really die. Born once, 
you know, or it's like, what is that old term, uh, the old saying, born twice, only die once. And that's even kind of like, well, that's not technically true because you never die. Well, your body dies and then your flesh may. However, being born again, not of corruptible seed, as we just got done reading um, and, and previously. But when it was, say, speaks right there of everlasting, that has a beginning. So we have everlasting life. It's absolutely true. Well, then you're like, well, then what's the difference? We also have eternal life because of who is in us that provides that everlasting life. What? That's exactly what it's saying. Eternal has no beginning and it has no ending. It's eternal. Eternity past, eternity future. You'll never wrap your head around that if you try. It's just like the Godhead. Can't do it. Your brain will go completely to mush before you, and you'll never still even get remotely close to understanding that or wrapping your head around that. But we have eternal life because of who is in us, Christ in us, Christ in you, if you're saved, the hope of glory. Wait, we mean we have God in us? Yes. Oh, I don't understand that. Well, it says that we are sealed by that Holy Spirit of promise until the day of redemption. All sorts of different places. But that's why we have both everlasting. See how the, the play on words kind of there? It's not a play on words, but you understand the, the meaning of both words. So where it says, well, it says eternal in one place and says everlasting in the other. Brother Mike, I just don't understand that. They're both true. Well, I definitely have a beginning, so how can that be true that I have eternal life? Well, the Bible says you do because of who is in you. Wow. That'll just blow your mind right there again. Isn't God good? And good is such a, a, a shallow term. I can't even, there's no word to describe it. That's why for all of eternity, we're going to be praising him. Because for what he did for us, you just if you just really think about that, and it's going to get into that even more, and we'll cover this a little bit more as we go on here. It's in, just incredible. It's and that's such a inadequate word. Incredible. Wow. Okay, let's get a little bit of water there. Now. How do we know that it's Christ in us? And then also it says the Father is in us, and it says the Spirit of Christ is in us. And oh, it's so confusing. Look at what it keeps saying here. Which was with the Father, okay, and was manifested unto us. Well, that seems like it's a contradiction. It still isn't. Keep going. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. Now, as we talk about this, one of the main themes that I always love to talk about and that Paul talks about here or in other places as we've gone through is ambassadorship. What do ambassadors do? They declare, they speak the words, not their own, but the words of the king. That's what the ambassador is supposed to do constantly. If he's not doing that, he's no longer speaking for the king. If he speaks anything of his own, He's not, he's not being what an ambassador is supposed to be. So as John is talking about here, heard, declare we unto you, that's what we're supposed to do. As we now have Jesus, as we have the Father, we have the Spirit in us, obviously the Holy Spirit within us, that's what we're supposed to declare. And that's all I try to do here. I try to declare him which is the word of God. As we read through here, understand what you have in front of you. You don't have some sort of man-made written book that just has a lot of good principles in it. We have the words of life, who is life, who offers eternal life, everlasting life. We have the word here. Now, you say, Brother Mike, now I... Are you trying to say that we have, we're handling God here? And Understand the words that I'm trying to say to you. We have the word of life. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. This is why I believe that we have the perfect, preserved, inspired word of God 
right here in front of us. As you open up your King James Bible, understand the significance of what you are reading and let the Spirit teach you as I just read you the Word of God. As you study, as other men teach, we are to compare it with other scriptures and to understand that, okay, that's, this lines up with scripture. He is speaking truth. He is being an ambassador. He's not speaking his own words. He's speaking the words of life. And I hope that makes sense to you. I want to really drive, I'm driving this home early in the beginning because, again, as my, uh, my dear brother Jonas talked about, he's struggling with guys that talk about sinless perfection. And the fact that, well, you have to live this sinless life now, either before you get saved or even after you get saved in order to keep your salvation and so forth and so on, it's impossible for you to do. Paul speaks about it. Everybody speaks about it, how it's impossible. Also, as I'm going through the book of Hebrews with uh, my local uh, body of believers, uh, via, which is through uh, live streaming that uh, to them every Sunday, as I'm going through that uh, Hebrews once again, that's what it's showing. That is what is showing every single time. So I want you to understand that when Paul says, I can't, you know, try to do these things and I try to keep these things and I can't do it. And therefore, you know, I, the, that which I want to do, I end up not doing so forth and so on. But then, as I said, as we've gone through the book of Hebrews, what it shows is, as it talks about, I believe in chapter six, Yep, chapter 6 of Hebrews, that if you think that you can lose your salvation and gain it back again, you're putting him to open shame again. He died for you once, and he saves you. He saves you one time. It's impossible, if it were even possible, for you to lose your salvation, for you to get saved once again. Just take him to Hebrews 6. So those that out there that want to teach that you can live some sort of sinless perfection of a life, it's not true. I wish it was. Now, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound, Paul says, God forbid. That's not what we live this life for. We don't get saved in order for us to sin, live a sinful life now and just go about our day and do that. In fact, John's going to address that too in this short little chapter. So let's keep reading. Look what it says here in verse number three. Then we'll read it again. That which which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, ambassadorship, that ye also may have fellowship with us. What fellowship has light with dark and all this kind of stuff as these verses come out here as you see fellowship. In fact, let's turn to a couple of uh, chapters here uh, when I see fellowship. Yeah, I got it written in my notes here. Let's go to Ephesians 3, 9 first. Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 3. Still getting used to my Bible here, uh, my travel Bible, because every other page is a is a blank page for writing notes on. So it's it's kind of confusing sometimes. But Ephesians chapter 3, in verse number 9, it says, And to make all men, um, this is before back it up, it says that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, this is Paul speaking to the church at Ephesus, and to make all men see what is fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by who? Jesus Christ, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. The fellowship. We have fellowship. If you're saved, I'm saved. We can have fellowship, true fellowship because we both have the same spirit within us. See that? And when we break fellowship with each other, it's never the spirit uh, breaking fellowship with the, the spirit. He can't be divided against himself. But it's us in our own little less spirit being divided against each other. That's why I know when brothers in Christ that I believe are, are truly saved, I don't. I mean, I, I can't know beyond 100% or a shadow of a doubt, I that person is definitely saved, no doubt about it. But I'm fairly sure that somebody is saved and another brother or sister is saved and they're having major conflict. I know for a fact that it's not the spirit, largest spirit, divided against itself. 
somebody's wrong. Somebody's in their own spirit or both are in their own mind. That's the, that's the only options. Because we have true fellowship if we have the mind of Christ. Only if we let this mind be in you and me and every other born-again believer. Make sense? Now go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. First Corinthians chapter one and verse number nine. And it says here, God is faithful by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. See, that's the fellowship. You're in Christ. We can have fellowship one with another. Do we always agree on things? No, but what did I just get done saying? Somebody's wrong. Now, we can disagree over personal likes and dislikes. I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. I'm talking about, thus saith the scriptures. What saith the scriptures? And we go to that and we have some sort of disagreement. And I'm like, oh, like, hey, let's take the opportunity. If we're in fellowship because we're both saved, let's take the opportunity to study it out together, to come into that one mind together. See how amazing the, the word of God is. So turning back to the first John chapter 1. We just got done reading uh, chapter uh, verse number three. And verse number four says, why? And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. Now that should really jump off of the page because you should be noticing that in several different places. Um, let's turn to them real quick here. John chapter 15, and then we'll go to John 16, and then Romans 5, 11. So John chapter 15, and then we'll turn over one chapter to John 16. John 15 and verse 11. John 15 and verse number 11 says, These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Now, who is this that is speaking to uh, us right here from the word of God? These, this is uh, Jesus Christ himself, God in flesh dwelt among us. And he sits there and says in verse number 11 of John 15, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. If you have the word of God in your heart, the word, uh, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. See, we have the word in us, but we still sin because we have this corruptible flesh still, this corruption still on us. That's the warring of the flesh versus spirit. And um, again, as I've mentioned several times, we're not mind-numb robots where we're just going about, you know, once we get saved, we have this implanted uh, uh, programming in us and we just walk around and don't sin the rest of our lives. Boy, wouldn't that be nice. But that's what the blessed hope is once this or corruption puts on incorruption. Amen and amen for that. Uh, I said John 16, 24, so let's turn there real quick. I'm right there. Here's Jesus Christ again say, Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask and ye shall receive that your joy may be full. Let's uh, turn to one more, Romans chapter 5 and verse 11. So we saw Jesus saying that, and then through the inspiration of his spirit, Romans chapter 5, In verse number 11, how do we have true joy? If you find yourself not having joy, you're getting in your own flesh, in your own spirit, because we have the ultimate joy within us. Jesus spoke about this, and here's Romans chapter 5 and verse number 11, where it says, and not only so. Oh, okay, let's go, let's punch, uh, let's go back here. Let's start in verse number eight. But God commended his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, much more than being now justified by his blood. See, that's his blood. It's his sacrifice. It's his, his saving. You're giving up of your own self-righteousness and coming to the end of yourself and accepting that. Justified by his blood. We shall be saved from wrath through him. For if, 
when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Wow. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. You can get in the flesh and you can kill yourself essentially with sin. Don't get me wrong. When you start doing a living a sinful lifestyle, as I've talked about before, that ambassadorship is going to be recalled. I got cancer. Well, you put stuff in your body that caused that. And I, well, I got this, I got that, or I was drinking and I got into a car wreck and died. Well, sin can lead to destruction of the flesh. It absolutely can. But as Paul talks about as well, the soul is saved because the soul is taken care of. And you'll lose out on rewards. Your joy won't be full. Take it from me. Um, living that kind of a lifestyle as a born-again believer, your joy definitely won't be full. And um, I hope this is making sense to you. Because as we get into these verses, if you understand who we are and who made us that way, it's impossible for you then to extrapolate from these verses that are coming up here that somehow you can live a sinless perfection of a life. Okay? And that's why we're taking the time to really go through this. And not only so, verse 11, let's finish it up. But we also have joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. So the joy, the fellowship, that your joy may be full. So whenever you get down on yourself, because you're obviously being brought under the bondage again of your own mind because you're living in sin or you're doing these things, it's time for you to come to the end of that and say, well, remember who you are. Remember putting on the helmet of salvation, I'm saved. Okay. Am I, all right, am I sure I'm saved? Did I just say some sort of empty promise of a prayer or did I, did I just make some sort of empty profession or did I really come to the end of myself and understand the fact that I, am a, I was a rotten, low-down, no-good sinner? There was no good in me. And the only thing that I could do was just come to the end of myself and say, Lord, I surrender. Save my soul. I, I understand who I am. And the only person that can take care of that is you. Now, I'm not trying to tell you there's some sort of magical phrase or words you can use, but once you confirm within yourself, you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling because it's a, it's a permanent decision. It's an eternal decision. Then you can just say to yourself, okay, what am I placing in my own mind? What am I bringing myself back under the bondage of? Why is my joy not full? See? And then you won't get wrapped up and, and confused by somebody that says, well, you're not saved then because, bless God, you got to live a sinless, perfect life. And Okay. That's why we're taking the time here. But notice here in verse number five, it says, then this is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you. See, heard it straight from Jesus. Now we're declaring it unto you. That God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Now understand what all means. No darkness at all. So if Christ is in you, that just, again, we'll read it in context of what this is about to talk about. Now it says in verse number six, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Now, again, it doesn't stop there because it keeps going. Let's finish up the rest of the thought. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanses us from all sin. When you get saved, you are cleansed from all sin. Oh, Brother Mike, you just said we're not sinlessly perfect. You're right. Our body is not. But your soul and spirit are. Now you're like, well, I don't know what I really believe about that now. Come on now. In your flesh, Paul says, that which is in me worketh no good thing. This flesh. Your physical mind. Okay? Your spirit and your soul your spirit's sealed, you're secured, your soul is, I believe, and seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus right now. You are 
sinlessly perfect to that degree because of him. It's his sinless perfection. It's hard if you just take this verse out of context and you just pull it out of there and say, see, if we say we, that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. See right there? Uh, yeah, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, see, he's the light. Christ is the light. We have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ's son cleanses us from some sin. <laughs> Does it say some sin? Does it say like some sin that you'll maybe commit several different times over the next five years, and then that's it? Well, that's that's the cutoff right there. That's the limit. Is his blood sufficient? Does it cleanse you from all sin? Yes or no? If you're saved, you've been cleansed from all sin. Now, that's not to say that we don't sin in our flesh, but the flesh can sin. Absolutely. Don't let anybody try to tell you that they don't sin, okay? The truth is not in them at all. He's a liar. She's a liar, whoever's saying this. He is without sin. Therefore, we are in the light because he is in the light, as he just got done saying. The blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed us. As we're about to read one of the um, more famous verses, I guess you would say, well-known. In fact, let's just go ahead and start. Verse number eight. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth, who's the truth, Jesus Christ, is not in us. Does it not say that? It says it, and the truth is not in us. If you sit there and say, I can get to heaven on my own, I'm good enough, uh, therefore, I'm living this such a perfect Christian life, and I'm so sanctified and justified by my works of righteousness. Boy, no. It says here, you deceive yourself. We deceive ourselves if we say that about us. And I'm afraid, and it really is true, that there's a lot of people that are deceiving themselves. And it's sad. They think if they live a good enough life, if they just... You know, the good works just outweigh the bad ones. I'm in. If you've broken the law in one thing, you've broken it all. The, the law, the, 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 the word of God, is doesn't have some sort of legal loophole you can kind of wiggle your way through. It's final. And that law, this word of God, is the schoolmaster that tells you that you are not good enough, you cannot keep it, and it's supposed to drive you to the decision to say, wow, I'm not good enough. What am I going to do? Woe is me. I am undone. Lord, I understand who you are. God, perfect. You made a sacrifice for me. You died on a cross. You shed your blood. Because the Bible says there's no remission of sin without the shed blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And Lord, you did that for me. Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. I'm undone. You are who I am trusting in. I'm without you. I, I'm 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 under the wrath. I'm doomed. But if you keep lying to yourself, the truth's not in you. If you say you have no sin, recognize who you are. Are you going to be able to sit there and, you know, a lot of people talk about, well, you have to be sinlessly perfect or you have to confess all your sins, all of them, before you can come to Jesus Christ. You got to clean them all up, you know, get it, get your life completely right. Then you can come to Jesus that way. You never will get there. If you try to clean up all your sins, confess them all, you won't ever remember every single thing you've ever done or thought or even... I can't remember really what I ate for breakfast yesterday, and that's the honest truth. You think I'm going to remember every unclean thought that touched me in my head or I dwelled on something or I, I got upset unnecessarily or I did this or I just thought in this in my mind or I said the wrong thing or I got angry over here? When it, Of course not. When it says all your sins, is because you just say, I'm a sinner, completely a sinner. 100%, no doubt about it, I'm a sinner. Period. There's no good in me. That's coming to the end of yourself because the pride of people 
tells them that like, oh no, I am good enough. The world tries to tell you, you're good enough. The Bible says, the schoolmaster says, you're not. You're undone. There's only one reconciliation. There's only one person that can reconcile you, and he's reconciling you to himself by what he did for you on the cross of Calvary. Look at verse number nine. How do I know that John's not talking about you know Christians, born-again believers? He's just reminding them if we confess our sins. Speaking like in a past tense, he, he's speaking to brethren right now. Again, he's writing to a church. But as they go out to declare people unto people, him, Jesus Christ, as they go out to declare, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, plural, and to cleanse us from all, all means all, unrighteousness. Your fellowship with the Lord can be broken because as you're you're thinking in your mind, you're brought under the bondage of your own mind. Like, oh, I just failed again. And you need to reconcile to that, but he never leaves you or forsakes you. He's there. He's not going anywhere. You didn't do anything to save yourself, and you certainly can't do anything to unsave yourself because it's not a works of righteousness which you have done, but what he has done for you. And who you are because of him. It's not about you. I hope that's making a lot of sense to you. I hope that now as you, you come across people, um, you know, my dear brother who asked the question or you go through, there's going to be confusing times in your life. And that's okay. There's going to be confusing times where you sort of kind of doubt and you're like, hmm, is doubting make you some sort of like maybe you're not saved? I don't know, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Did you ever come to that moment in your life? If you did, you are saved, period. Now, you need to figure out if you're being an ambassador or not. That's the fear and trembling now. This isn't like modern-day ambassadors that you just get kind of recalled and you get a good-paying gig at some lobbyist firm or something like that. We're talking about the king of kings that you are an ambassador for. That should make you very aware of how you walk. That's why the Bible says walk circumspectly. That's very cautiously because your ambassadorship is at risk. It's meaning, are you going to be taken out of this world? I hope that makes sense to you. Let's read the last verse and we'll wrap it up. It says here, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word little word, is not in us. You don't have the truth in you if you sit there and say, we have not sinned. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. Anybody that's coming up to you and saying, oh, I don't know, I don't have any sin in me anymore. Okay. Well, you're making him a liar. That's 1 John 1.10. If he's in you, though, he that knew no sin took it upon himself for you. He took care of that sin. He cleansed you when he saved you from all unrighteousness. That's not all from that point to this point, and maybe it stops and then, you know, you got to start over again. No, all means all. Everything you ever did, are doing, or will ever do in this flesh has been paid in full. Paid in full. In fact, the Bible even speaks about how it's more than sufficient. Above anything that you can even ask or think. Beyond your wildest imagination, he's taking care of it. When he said it is finished, he meant it. And so as you have doubts, that's okay. You can have doubts. Really work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Make sure you, okay, what did I put my trust in? Did I put my trust in something that I was doing or in him? No, I did. I put it in him. I came to the end of myself. When it says repentant or repent of your sins, you didn't repent of every individual sin. You had you called them and listed them all out. And you confessed every single one of them. That's not what it's talking about. It's repenting 
and confessing the fact that you are a sinner and you want to turn from that. I don't want to live this life anymore. I'm in, I'm heading straight for hell. There's only one thing. There's only one person. There's only one name above all names that can justify me, that can draw me out of this hell that I'm heading towards. And that's Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross. When he said, it is finished, it's accomplished, that veil was torn, you now have access through him, not through your own self. Many in that day will say, Lord, Lord. But that's a sobering thought. I'm not here to make you doubt your salvation. But what I am here to tell you is that if you have the light in you, there's no darkness. You don't have to worry about that. Your joy should be full. Do we get down in the flesh all the time? Sure. Do you get depressed? Sure. I'm not trying to say you're going to live some sort of happy-go-lucky roses all the time and rainbows and everything, that kind of life. Folks, I don't have rose-colored glasses on, but what I do have is the perspective of the fact that who he is and what he did for me when he died for me at Calvary. I love you in the Lord. I hope that was a little bit of a help to you. We're going into 1 John uh, chapter 2 next week. Um, but I really wanted that to be a help. I pray that it was um, as we just went through the first chapter of what he said, what he did for us, not what we did for ourselves. I hope that really helped you. I pray it did. I love you in the Lord. Uh, again, join me next time or whatever videos. Like, share, subscribe. Make comments on videos. Ask questions or even if you just leave an encouraging word, it's really helpful for me. It really does. It encourages my soul. When somebody says, hey, all glory to the Lord. Um, thank you, Brother Mike, or something like that. I'm going to give all praise and honor and glory to him. Trust me, I'm not doing this for my own glory. But what it, it is a very big of encouragement when I know somebody has watched and they just take the time to say, hey, you know what you said over here, this, this really helped me or whatever. I'm just going to give all the praise and honor and glory to God. But it encourages me. It really does, and I appreciate it. So if you made it this far, love you in the Lord. Please like, share, subscribe. Share. Share as much as you can because I just want to point people to Jesus Christ so that once they are saved, they can remember who they are and remember whose mind that they have in them. That way they can say, let this mind be in you. I'm just going to allow this mind to be in me. Remember who I am because of who he is. Love you in the Lord. God bless you. And I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.